Good morning, Ramp Church. Happy Valentine's Day. It's a joy to be able to just send love your way on this Sunday morning and um, to remind you, of course, that you are loved and you're thought of and you're being prayed for. Um, Joe and I are holding you close in our heart along with your brothers and sisters in Christ in Ramp Church. So just want to first start this whole service out by simple reminder that you're in our thoughts and our hearts and we love you. More importantly, Jesus loves you. And isn't that the best news in the whole world? But before I derail my whole sermon and what I want to say, um, I just want to let you know today's really exciting. I know you've heard it just in the announcements, but we are continuing to sign up for Ramp Communities. And a lot of what I want to share with you this morning is kind of along the heartbeats to why I feel like even here, even now, even us, um, that we are really called to engage and prioritize God's presence, yes, and God's people engaging with our brothers and sisters. So honestly, this morning, I feel like instead of an actual preach, I'm just going to hop in your living room or your car or your bedroom, wherever you're listening to this. And I just want to, to overflow a bit and spill some things that the Lord has so been encouraging me with um, from the book of First Thessalonians. So I want to encourage you as well to pull out an actual Bible. And um, sometimes it's good to actually read the word from an actual Bible because I don't know about you, but sometimes my Bible on here is also in the midst of loads of distractions. So this morning for church, I would encourage you to grab a Bible and open it up to the book of 1 Thessalonians, which if you're new to the word, you can see that 1 Thessalonians is kind of towards the end. Um, There's a table of contents at the beginning of your Bible as well that should tell you what page it's on. But I want to just share some encouragement from the book of 1 Thessalonians that I have been drinking from and finding such strength. I've been loving 1 Thessalonians. I encourage you to read the whole thing, 1 and 2 Thessalonians. And I want to talk about and continue our discussion about even here, even now, even us. Getting rid of this if-only narrative that is so easy to get stuck in, in the middle of this lockdown, this long-lasting lockdown, lockdown as I call it. Um, but to really encourage us and build our faith that right here, right now, in your home, in your heart, there's more of God and that God is working. And to pull ourselves up to that heavenly perspective and encourage one another from that higher perspective that God is not working around all this. God is working through all of this. And that we are his people called for such a time as this to be here on planet earth representing the kingdom of God. So let's dive into um, 1 Thessalonians. And I want to first, what I'm going to do this morning is I just want to take a few minutes and highlight some things that I feel like are really relevant to us as a faith community and um, that we can pull from this church's story. So to give a bit of background and context, um, the, the book of 1 Thessalonians was um, a book written, Paul wrote to the church there in Thessalonica. And he started this church in, um, you can read the account of him actually launching this church in Acts 17. So he goes to Thessalonica and he, and that's a bit of a tongue twister, so be prepared, I'll probably mess that up. But (laughs) he goes and he preaches there for three Sundays or three, he's in the synagogue three times, three weeks in a row. And then he has to flee for his life 
because the religious leaders are now persecuting. They, you know, um, Jews are converting to Christianity. Gentiles are converting to Christianity as Paul is preaching the message of why Jesus came, of how he saves us from our sins, of how we have eternal life in him, but how that also means complete allegiance to him as their only God and their only King. And so that causes um, just a a lot of disruption. And Paul and his missionary companions actually have to leave um, because of persecution, but they've already preached, you know, three different weeks in a row and they have now a little baby church. So now there is this little baby church, but Paul and his people have left. And so they are left to continue to grow, kept by the Holy Spirit, um, sustained, of course, by Jesus himself. And so this letter is actually the um, Paul's response to the church after he sends Timothy to check on them. So I'm going to be reading. I encourage you to open your word and go to 1 Thessalonians. I want to start with um, chapter 2 towards the end in verse 17. And when I was reading this the other day, I felt like I could... Um, Of course, I cannot relate to what the early church was going through as far as the persecution that they were going to. And I don't claim to even even be touching in the severity of that suffering. But I was encouraged by a few little phrases that I feel like um, just reminded me that, again, God works through it, not around it. God will accomplish his purpose for our lives. And he knows how to continue the work of God in us, even in the midst of really um, legitimate external challenges. So I want to share with you a few things that this church has um, going for them that I believe we have going for us. And I believe some of the things Paul challenges them with are some things that God is challenging us with. Now, I'm going to be just kind of taking bits and pieces from this book. And again, I really encourage you to read the whole thing on your own. Um, But starting in chapter 2, verse 17. Dear brothers and sisters, after we were separated from you for a little while, that's when Paul had to flee for his life, um, though our hearts never left you. We tried very hard to come back because of our intense longing to see you again. We wanted very much to come to you, and I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. After all, what gives us hope and joy, and what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns? It is you. Yes, you are our pride and joy. And finally, when we could stand it no longer, we decided to stay alone in Athens, and we sent Timothy to visit you. He is our brother and God's co-worker in proclaiming the good news of Christ. We sent him to strengthen you, to encourage you. Hallelujah, isn't that good news? Good news that God sends people that we need for our strengthening and our encouragement um, to encourage you in your faith. And then in verse three of chapter three, it says, and to keep you from being shaken by the troubles that you were going through. But you know that we are destined for such troubles Even while we were with you, we warned you that troubles would soon come. And they did, as you well know. And that is why when I could bear it no longer, I sent Timothy to find out whether your faith was still strong. I was afraid that the tempter had gotten the best of you and that our work had been useless. But now Timothy has just returned, bringing us good news about your faith and love. 
He reports that you always remember our visit with joy and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. So we have been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, because you have remained strong in your faith. It gives us new life to know that you are standing firm in the Lord. So I'm going to just pull a few things first. First, obviously, Paul here is separated from people that he loves, but he's with them in heart and spirit. And I know as this lockdown has gone on and God continues to move through Ramp Church, that we still have a longing to see each other in person. And that longing is legitimate. We, we want and we are looking forward to the day when we can gather in person together in that beautiful corporate anointing where that um, worship experience is just it, the synergy of everybody's anointing and hunger coming together creates this wave that we just ride on into God's glory. You know, one of the things that I love about um, what God is doing through lockdown is he is giving us a chance to strengthen our faith, that our faith in Christ and our walk with God now isn't perhaps for some of you Sunday centric, depending on an in-person gathering, but you've been able to grow and learn. We've been able to learn as a community more on how to host God's presence in our own home how to find his presence and connect with his people in new ways. It's, it's birthed an increased hunger in our heart for his presence and his people. It's birthed a hunger in our hearts, I feel, for his purpose. We see around us the world that is in desperate need for the kingdom of God and Jesus to be revealed. And that need, that awareness that has increased over the past year has increased our hunger to just prioritize what matters most to God, to to make his purposes happen. So it's been a time I feel for Ramp Church that we have grown in faith and our faith is growing. And for some of you guys, you have you have stepped it up. You've said, you know what, my 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 contribution to the family of God is now going to go beyond just a Sunday morning in-person gathering but I'm going to carry weight financially. I'm going to carry weight and caring for other people. I'm going to show up to prayer meetings on Zoom and home groups on Zoom and community groups that, you know, on Zoom are sometimes a little bit awkward, sometimes a little bit less than ideal, but you've let God break that idealism that Joe talked about last week. And, And you've let him show you and show all of us that God will show up wherever there's hunger. And God will show up wherever there's desire for him, be it behind a computer screen or in a living room or in a car, wherever there is hunger for him, he will meet us. And this has been good because we know, Ramp Church, that church is not about that being the church of Jesus Christ. We know that being the bride of Christ is not about attending a physical location on a Sunday morning. We know that it means that we are united together by the Holy Spirit and that we are the temple and the dwelling place of this living God here on earth. We know that it means receiving from each other and contributing to each other bearing each other's burdens, rejoicing when others are rejoicing, being filled with sorrow when others are suffering. I feel like those are all ways that even through these challenges in the natural realm, God has been expanding us to see beyond just the Sunday in person and stretching us to be the church 24-7, to be the people of God. 
And just like the church in Thessalonica, they had, they had serious challenges. Very serious challenges. First of all, you know, because Paul was only there a short time, they didn't have all the answers to their questions. In fact, the, one of the main themes in Thessalonians is Paul is addressing their questions about Christ's second coming. So they, they, they heard Paul talk about Jesus is returning, be ready for his return. And they give their lives to Jesus, but they had confusion about this then when after Paul leaves, some of their church members passed away. And they were starting to grieve their, the loss of these loved ones that had passed away because the, some of them thought Jesus was going to return before anybody in their church died. And then they were confused, some of them, because they thought, well, if these people died, did they miss the second coming of Christ? Are they going to be able to, to um, participate in that great, glorious day? So they were such new believers, they didn't have all the answers. And they didn't have Google and they didn't have church online to just figure it out. You know, um, somebody please explain what the second coming of Christ is. But they had to trust in the Holy Spirit. Paul, of course, and his team are praying for them earnestly. So they had questions. But then they also had legitimate persecution from Romans, from Jews, um, from just trying to get into living in another culture that was anti-Jesus. That was um, a, the culture that they lived in worshipped many gods, but you also had to be allegiant to um, Caesar. So the Roman government was was oppressing them and persecuting them because the Roman government believed that if they they pledged allegiance to King Jesus, that they were being um, unloyal and they were betraying Caesar. And so that sparked persecution. And then they had the religious Jewish leaders who were anti-Jesus, anti-Jesus, and they were receiving persecution from them. And then they're just trying to figure out how to actually, but even while they're growing in their faith, people they love are dying. So they have questions that they don't yet have answers to. They have persecution um, from all from various different angles, and they're 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 new believers. So here they are, just enduring. But Paul's prayers and the the power of the Holy Spirit is keeping them. And Paul is celebrating in this that when Timothy is sent to check on them, he comes back with a good report. And Paul is even connecting his own joy to their faith standing firm. So a few things that come to mind from that. First, the hope of the second coming. You know, one of the main themes of Thessalonians is the second coming of Christ. And maybe you're, maybe you are very new to following Jesus. You know, as I've been reading this, I just feel like, oh, I was telling Joe, I was like, dear God, I just want to make sure that everybody who's just started following Jesus, that you know that all of this is headed somewhere. That you believing in Jesus and following Jesus is not just about you being able to survive planet Earth. But all of this is this journey with Jesus that is actually leading to his glorious rule and reign and him making all things new, remaking the earth, bringing in the new Jerusalem and the bride of Christ at his second coming. And that second coming is very much a doctrine, a foundation on which our faith and relationship with Christ rests. It's so important that we have this hope in Christ's return, this hope that he is making all things new and that we are a part of that. Because that hope, that future hope, gives us the ability to be presently faithful to him. It keeps us 
faithful to Christ, to know that he is coming and that he is bringing his reward with him, to reward those who have chosen him in a land of many gods, just like the people Paul is writing to. They lived in a culture of many gods. They had government, they had materialism, they had um, all sorts of religious options, but they chose to put their trust in Jesus. They chose to respond to what God had done in sending Jesus to pay the price for their sin and transfer their trust to him. And when Jesus is coming back, He then comes not to bring punishment to those who have trusted in him, but to bring reward. And Paul is reminding his people and even clarifying, you need to continue to hope and continue to encourage one another with these words. And you need to live your life here on earth ready. And that's why even one of the themes of this book is not just hope in Christ's return and a faith that stands firm and a love that overflows, but it's a holiness. It's, it's living in this world differently because you have been called by God, chosen by him. He has revealed glimpses of his glory to you. And as you respond to him with your wholehearted yes, then your life begins to reflect the values of his kingdom and not the values of this world. So they are standing firm in faith and they have this hope, this future hope of Christ's return. And so Paul is saying to them, your loved ones have passed away, but you don't have to grieve without hope because you know that when Christ returns, when he comes, and this is in 2 Thessalonians 4, that you can read this and on down in 1 Thessalonians 5, that you can read about this. When Jesus returns, he says, the dead in Christ will rise and we will meet, those who are alive will meet him and we will be united with him and live forever with him. Isn't that glorious? And everything about all of this suffering is not wasted here on this side, but it is all going to give way to glory and reward for those who follow Jesus. So we like this young church. We draw future hope. We have a hope right now in knowing that Jesus is making all things new, that he is coming, that he is coming with his reward, that we will be united with him, not just in spirit. Right now we're united with him in spirit, but body, soul, and spirit, we will be united with him. And all suffering and temporary trial and temptation and testing will then give way and we'll step beyond the veil. We'll go into the place where we are united with him and we will rule and reign with him. And isn't that a mind-blowing concept? So what what does that have to do with us here now in Manchester, where we're at right now? How do we live with hope? How do we keep hope alive? We have this hope in Christ that the story is not over. We have this hope in Christ that he is coming to make all wrongs right. We have this hope in Christ that nothing his people go through will be wasted, that it will all bring glory in the end. It's bringing taste of glory now, but it is bringing full glory soon and very soon. And Paul is saying, keep hoping. Keep putting your sight on the hope that we have in him 
That's the eternal hope Jesus gives. So Ramp Church, I want to encourage you just as Paul encouraged his people as after he talks about all of that wonderful news clarifying some confusion that they had. He tells them, encourage each other with these words. Encourage each other and build each other up just as you've already done. And I want to talk about just a couple couple more things that this, this, in, this whole passage um, in 1 Thessalonians, this whole book, just speaks so loud and clear. And first of all, I want to, to just um, talk about Paul and talk about him as, as a ministry leader. Talk to you, so because I know many of you, you are leading your homes, you are leading businesses, you are leading um, charities, and you are leading in-ramp church. And I love the reminder that we get in Paul's writing that leadership and ministry is not just about powerful preaching, but it is about modeling healthy relationships with one another. Paul, you know, sometimes, so, so here's something I want you to, to consider, okay? From this church in Thessalonica, from Paul, who's also being persecuted. So Paul is in, now he fled for his life, but he's still in persecution. And he is got his own difficulties. And then this young church is facing their difficulties. And what is one thing that we learn from, from Paul's leadership, but also from the people there in the church, is we learn that through Christ, with the power of the Holy Spirit, we're examples, not exemptions. We're examples, not exceptions. So they're going through persecution. Paul is separated from them, but his heart is there with him. And, you know, sometimes people think, well, you want to exempt yourself from the need of community. You want to exempt yourself. You want to be an exception to the fact that you need the body of Christ and the body of Christ needs you. Maybe you're busy. Maybe you've got trial, difficulty. Maybe you're a leader. Maybe you don't feel like you relate to people. Just read this book and tell me that you don't see it the way I see it so loud and clear that even in the midst of persecution, even though Paul is a leader and apostle planting churches everywhere, going through his own persecution, overseeing churches and, and all these things, he is connected himself to community. And he is modeling that being in ministry and being in leadership and being effective in the kingdom of God is not just about presenting power to the world around us. It's about modeling healthy relationships. Listen to some of these verses where Paul, where Paul is not saying he's too, he's so close to God, he doesn't need people. You don't find that in Paul. He's so, uh, he's, he's so apostolic that he's not vulnerable and transparent about his difficulties and his trials. You certainly don't read that when you read Paul. He's not exempt from difficulty. He's not exempt from suffering, even though he's an apostle, even though he's called by God. And he tells the people that he's pastoring and leading just because you're in Christ. Don't, we warned you difficulty would come. You see, some people come to Jesus thinking that he's an escape from difficulty, but he's not an escape from difficulty. He's the way through with strength, through difficulty. He grows us. He enlarges our heart to be compassionate and loving to the people around us. He works again through it, not around it. He gives us grace and strength. He doesn't give us a pass that exempts us from difficulty. And he doesn't give us a past that exempts us from being genuinely connected to people just because we're powerful, just because we're anointed, just because we have a call of God on our life. You aren't above your need for community just because the power of God works through you. Look at what Paul says here. First of all, 
He's modeling for church leaders even. He's defending his ministry a bit in the chapter two. But then he says here, you can just sense his love for the people. This love relationship that he has towards the people God has given him and entrusted to his stewardship. And he says, we loved you so much that we not only shared with you God's good news, but our own lives too. And isn't there a need in the world today? Not for more content. You've got endless content. So why does RAMP have communities? Why do we encourage you to be a part of communities, to sign up and connect with people? It's not because you need more content and it's not because you need entertainment. It's because you need to be close to leaders who can share their lives with you. And just like Paul, he's saying, we didn't just preach to you. No, then further on down, he says, you know, we treated you as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you. We encouraged you. We urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For he called you to share in his kingdom and his glory. So he, he, is, he is entwined with them, one with them, connected with them. And then when he's separated from them, he prays earnestly and he wants to be near them. He sends Timothy. Oh, and I love Timothy. And we know that Paul says in Tim, about Timothy in Philippians 2. He says, I have no one else like Timothy because all the others care only about their own welfare. But Timothy genuinely cares for you. And during this season, you know, Ramp Church, Joe and I wish we could be in every single one of your houses c- connecting with you, making sure that your faith is standing firm in light of these difficulties, in light of these trials that you are going through. We want to check on you. We want to make sure that you've not forsaken your faith, that you've not backslidden, that you, that you are reaching out towards God. So we, what have we done? We've launched communities. We have sent Timothys out all over the city to check on you, to connect with you, to see that your faith is standing firm, to, just like Paul said, to strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith, to keep you from being shaken by the troubles that we told you would come. Why are we launching communities? I promise you it's not because we want something else to do. It's because we love you. We love you. We want your faith to stand firm in the midst of a challenging season. We want you to be encouraged. We want you to know that your contribution is needed. We want you to be the church, just like we want all of us to be the church. And how do we be the church for each other? Well, first, we're gonna have to let down some walls, get rid of some excuses, throw away our exemptions, stop thinking we're an exception, and engage and prioritize the people of God. So Paul is modeling ministry and leadership. It's not an exception or an exemption from community. It's not an exception or or, um, exemption from difficulty. It doesn't mean that you're not vulnerable, that you don't struggle. It means that you are passionate about God's people. It means you bear burdens. It means you sacrifice. It means you show up when you don't want to. But it also means that you get to receive joy and strength. Because Paul says that to these people, you are my joy. I was strengthened. I was encouraged. Because you are my pride, my joy. You are remaining firm. And it's so interesting to me because Paul here is being persecuted by people. Okay? The Jews are persecuting him. He's fleeing from city to city. He's getting beaten. He's getting thrown in jail because of people. The enemy using people. But then here and throughout different books that Paul writes, you see how he's being greatly encouraged. You talk, you you read about how Paul is saying that his joy is tied up in the people of God. His 
joy, his, his prize, his, his, even his motivation to keep going is connected to the people of God. So sure, some people are difficult, but that didn't give him a reason to cut off from people. He plugged in and leaned in and he saw how God was using people and he received from them. And that's another thing that I love about Paul's example here is Paul's leadership didn't exempt him from needing to receive from the people of God. No matter who you are or how powerful or called you are, apostle to the nations, prophet to the nations, whatever, you need the people of God. But you know what we have to do? We have to learn how to receive because we like to be strong. We like to be the one who's giving. To receive means that we have a need. It means we have a bit of humility. Oh, to, it's great to give a word, but can you receive a word? It's great to give ministry, but can you receive ministry? It's great to give the finances. Can you receive from the body of Christ? And why do we want everyone involved in communities here? Because we know that, Ramp, we want you to grow not just in giving, but in receiving. Not just in ministering, but in being ministered to. This is how the body of Christ works. We are strong, we are weak, and together we connect and supply to one another and reveal Jesus to the world. So this church and Paul's leadership, they're telling us that, Being a follower of Christ, we're meant to be examples, not exceptions, not exemptions. We're meant to find joy, connect with people, not just preach at them, but open our lives to them. So Joe and I want to do this for Ramp Church by setting up these communities and having people lead these communities that we love and trust to check on you, to encourage you, and then also provide a space for you to bring encouragement. And you don't... All of you are leaders in this regard. As a follower of Christ, your life is meant to be an example to others. Your life is meant to be an example. How? Oh, and probably some of you are crumbling right now under that thought, feeling like a failure. (laughs) And I just want to say that, first of all, all of this is by grace, and we can't ever forget that. That's why we have to preach the gospel to ourselves. We've got to preach the gospel to ourselves and remind ourselves God chose us. God called us. Why are you watching? Why do you feel any desire for God at all? Why have you started thinking about God when maybe you've never thought about God for your whole life? It's because God is calling you. God has chosen you. And now you are responding to God by showing up in the presence of God and committing to the people of God and committing to his purpose. And as you journey with him and as you journey with each other, you learn more and more and more about him. You certainly don't have to have all the answers before you have enough faith to say yes to him. And we learned that again from this church who didn't really understand everything about the second coming, had questions, and Paul is encouraging them, commending them that they are remaining strong, and then answering, but then giving them room to grow. And one last thing that I feel to just even encourage us with. Well, first let me, you know, I find it again, I find it so amazing that everybody in this book is getting strength and encouragement and joy from each other. I know I've just said that, but I just feel to say it again. No one is above God's plan to use the church to supply the life of the Spirit to each other. And some of you, you're really good at preaching, but you're not maybe very good at opening up your own entire life to people. And that sounds scary. In fact, you're like, oh my gosh, if I join a community, do I have to like open my entire life? 
<laughs> well, maybe so. No, before you turn off, I just want to say, first of all, that we hear from Paul here that when he opens his life and his, his heart up to love, he also receives love. He receives life. Think of your life like an open window. If you have the window open, if your heart is open, if your life is open, sure, you may get some bees and bugs that fly in occasionally, but you have fresh air. You have, you have sunshine. You have something from the outside coming to the inside. But when you close that window because you don't want bugs and you don't want wasps and you don't want critters, things like that, you keep it shut, you cut yourself off from that breeze that brings refreshing. And I'm telling you, there's always a risk, but it's always worth it to love. Every step towards love is a step towards God. Every step towards the people of God is a step towards Jesus. Every time we engage with the people of God, we are positioning ourselves to serve Christ, to see him more clearly. So this season that we're in of this long lasting lockdown, even here, even now, even us, God's wanting to encourage you. He's wanting your faith to stand firm. He's wanting you to connect and bring joy to someone else's life. That's right, right in the middle of your struggle, in the middle of all of your perplexity, in the middle of your issues and your questions, you're not an exemption. You still have something to contribute. You're not an exception just because you've got stuff. Paul had a lot of stuff. Two, every human has stuff, challenges, hangups, things that you feel aren't perfect yet. Don't we all wish we could just be perfect before we have to interact with people? I've told Pastor Karen that so many times. I'm like, Miss Karen, why does God put leaders in positions of leadership without perfecting them entirely first? Because he wants to keep us humble and he wants to keep us dependent on him. And I want to encourage all of you, put your faith up here with God's will for us. That even here, even now, even us, God wants to connect us. He wants to encourage us. He wants to bring joy to all of us through our connection with each other. He wants us to lay aside our exceptions and our reasons and excuses. And he wants us to just live wide open before him, prioritizing his presence, prioritizing his people. So let's let's just rent church, just close in prayer. I just want to... I want to just pray even this verse over us, Ramp Church, 1 Thessalonians 2.8, where Paul is talking of his ministry team, his ministry partners. He's saying, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. And Father, I pray that over Ramp Church. I pray that within the church, I pray that beyond the, beyond the church to the world we minister in, that we wouldn't just share good news, as powerful and as necessary as that good news is, but that we would lay down our lives for one another and that we would open our lives, Lord, like opening a window and that we would cling to the hope we have in your coming and our faith would be bedrock in you, Lord, and that through connecting with one another, we would find more of your joy and we would find more of your strength, Lord, and your courage to face life. And Lord, we do agree over these 
community groups. Lord, we pray that as these communities launch all over this city, that it releases the wind of the Holy Spirit to people's lives, that it releases strength, that it releases courage to be steadfast in difficulty. Ramp Church, just pray with me right now. Lord, we commit all these efforts to you, these ideas, these plans, Lord. We pray that through all of it, you would reveal Jesus and make us hungry for you, Lord. And help us to be present and show up for our own lives. Show up for our own lives, Lord, because even here, even now, even us, our lives are being lived. Your life is being lived through us, Jesus. And we say yes to living our life and to living the life that you have intended us to live. And I just also sense to read this for somebody who may be even struggling with suicidal thoughts. And it's Philippians 1.24. I want to encourage you. People weren't just Paul's source of joy and strength sometimes. God used people, but they were also keeping him rooted in life on earth as well. Listen to what he says. He says in Philippians 1, verse 24, I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, um, but I can be bold. Let me go down to verse 21. For to me, living means for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between these two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. And I just speak that over anyone watching who is struggling to find the will to live. I just declare that you can see clearly in this moment that there are people, people that need you here on planet Earth. That for their sakes, it's better that you stay, breathe in, breathe out, and continue with the purpose and the plan of God. That here and now, your life is needed. And how do you know your life is needed? Because you're here breathing. God has sent you. And as long as you have breath, there is purpose for your life here on planet Earth. We need you. We need your contribution. For your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. We say yes to the life Lord, that you have given us here and now. We say yes to our own life. We choose to engage it and live it for your glory, that others may find you and your goodness and your comfort through all of our suffering. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We love you, Ramp Church, and we'll see you um, throughout the week at prayer meetings. And be sure to visit our website and sign up for a community group today.